0: Father God, may you fill us with your goodness today. May you shape us and transform us. May we come to know you better today. Not just because we say, yeah, we go to a good church, Father. Well, let us dismiss that language. Let us be people who say, I want to be part of the goodness of you. That you fill us, God. Because we can't be good on our own. By ourselves, by myself, Father, I am nothing but a sinner in need of mercy. But by your goodness, you can make us and shape us into people who look like Jesus. Let us be people that desire that. And God, this morning, as we, as we prayed a couple weeks ago for our friends at the First Christian Church, we lift up our friends at the First Baptist Church today. We pray for your will to be done in them, for you to be glorified over there. And Father, may you continue to pour your light out into this community through us and through anybody who's willing, God, to show this world who you are. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So two young fish were swimming along through the ocean and along, and these fish could talk, I guess, according to this story. And as they were fishing, or as they were fishing, as they were, they were not fishing, as they were swimming, they ran into a much older, larger fish. And as they swam by the fish, the fish greeted them. And he said, how's the, how's the water today, boys? The young fish just kind of waved their fin as they would. That's my imitation of that. And they, they swam along, swam for a minute longer. And the, one, of the, one of the young fish turned to his buddy and he goes, what's water? What is water? Now, I want to start with that because culture is the unseen force in our world that teaches us how to behave and think. Culture teaches us what is right, what is wrong, what is good and acceptable, acceptable, what is bad and unacceptable. Culture is the social construct that we swim in every day that shows us proper behavior. And culture is the water we swim in. It is the thing we live in without even noticing it, like our two fish. There is not one uncultured person in the world. Everybody is affected. Everybody swims in culture. We are yogurt. We are cultured people. Bad joke. Dad joke. We are all shaped. by. Our, it took y'all a while. We are all shaped by our interactions with others. And that shaping becomes a culture that we live in, in big and in small ways. America has a culture. The South has a culture. Texas as a state definitely has a culture that Oklahomans like I am go, What is that? Why are you so prideful about your state? I'm from Oklahoma. We stink and we know it. Right? <laughs> right? Canadian even has its own culture. And yes, this church family has a culture. Every church has its own distinct culture. And we're gonna talk about that for a second because your church is its culture, and your culture is the church. Good or bad, healthy or toxic, loving or judgmental, church culture is powerful. In fact, if a church culture is rooted and established, it's almost irresistible. In other words, if a church culture is toxic, put a happy, good, healthy person in it for a while, and they will irresistibly, if they don't run for the hills, become a toxic person. That's how powerful culture is. In other words, just like faith, when it comes to culture, you get what you are. Or maybe more accurately, you get what you are becoming. Jesus directly speaks to this truth couldn't be more clear. He says in Matthew 12, 33 and 35, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. In other words, character or bigger, the character that we are that produces a church culture works from the inside out. A good person produces good things. A toxic faith family produces toxic people. A Christ-like church has a culture of creating Christ-like people. And I don't think there's probably anybody in here who doesn't want that, right? Who doesn't want a Christ-like culture to produce good people. Amen? Amen. Nobody's in here, I hope, saying, man, I just hope I can screw up the church today. Because I just really want to make more screw-ups, right? I hope that's not your heart today. I just want to complain because I want a complaining church. Nobody would say that. But yet, if we create a culture like that, according to Jesus, a bad tree will create bad fruit. So how do we want, how do we get there? We all want that. We all want to be part of something good. Nobody comes to a new church and says, man, I'm just looking for a really apathetic church. I'm really just looking to look and spend my Sundays at a church that can mess me up and be real unhealthy. I'm really looking for some spiritual abuse in my life. You know, nobody does that. We all want something good. So maybe, and I think we have a great church, but we could always get better. Maybe it's our elders' fault that we're not good enough, right, David? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's the preacher's fault. Yeah, amen. Or maybe it's somebody else's fault. But it's not. Y'all know that, right? A good church is produced by good people. This is a y'all thing because the church is a people on a mission. We don't go to church, we belong to the church. We are the church. So we set the culture. The culture is set by everybody, young and old. And we're going to unpack this, first of all, by saying this. If we're going to be a good church, the first thing the good church does is they become rooted in our good God. Great word in scripture. Goodness. Or good. God is good. The Hebrew word is Tov. In our language that would be T-O-V, Tov. And from the very start, Genesis one, we see that God what he makes is good. It's Tov. Genesis 1 proclaims that everything he makes is good. Light is good. The sea is good. Earth is good. Plants and animals and beasts are good. And then when he gets to day 6, he finishes what he makes, and he makes male and female, and he proclaims it to be very tov, or the Hebrew is tov meod, and it means much goodness, or an actual straight translation is muchness goodness. It's a word that we can't really describe, but it is the goodness of God is all around us. The encouraging words we hear. We know that's around us. It's an encouraging word for a brother or sister that we go, man, it was good to hear that. It's a perfectly smoked rack of ribs, right? And you go, mm, that was, that was good. That was Tove Mayoed. Right? It's a heartfelt worship song. I feel that every time with David, we sing, Be to our God, because he's worthy, he's good. It's when we have an honest conversation with a friend, we feel that toveness, the goodness. It's when we hear a vulnerable prayer, a confession of our shortcomings. Or when we witness a baptism, what do we do? We shout and we clap. Because we see goodness. So we talk about being a good church because we believe in a world that is still covered in the tove of God. I want you to think about right now, we're gonna do a little exercise. What is something in your life that you see the goodness of God in? Where's some tove in your life right now? Take just a second, share that with somebody next to you. Just one good thing that you'd say, here's where goodness is in our life. Could be this balloon that, as far as y'all know, it ascended to heaven. It's gone, right? You guys can't see it, right? right? Whatever it is, just share with your neighbor real quick, where do you see the goodness of God? Share that real fast. We proclaim it, right? God is good. And his goodness is all around us. But the challenge is this. And y'all know this is coming. If God is so good and we know that there's goodness around it and everybody in here could proclaim at least one thing. The problem is, why do so many of his people that carry his name, places that we call churches, why are they so bad? Why so many scandals and failures? Why so much brokenness and hurt? Why is it that we can all think of, maybe as quickly as we can think of something good, we can think of somebody in our life who's been pushed away by the meanness and judgmental hearts of people who call God good? Well, again, goodness is rooted not in us. It is rooted in God. So a good church, first of all, is close or near to our good God. Goodness, Jesus says, is why call me good? There's only one who's good, and that's the father, right? He says that. He says that to the, to the um, rich young ruler. But goodness then for us comes from another source, So our closeness to that source determines our goodness. It is spirit-filled behavior. Show me a toxic church, and I'll show you a church that doesn't have God at its center. Usually a toxic church has a human leader at its center, or an unhealthy leader at its center, not God. But show me a dynamic, loving, gracious, others-focused church, and every one of us would say, they've got Jesus at its center. Jesus said in John 13, 35, and y'all can fill this in. It's not on the screen, right? Everyone will know that you're my, my disciples if you love each other, right? You love each other. So when we love each other, we follow God in his love and we draw near to his goodness. So church family. Not much more to say about this, but our first step, if we're going to be and continue to be and continue to grow in being a good church, starts with us drawing near to our good God. And second, and I love this one, is that a good church is not only near our good God, a good church learns the secret of resisting evil. Now this is so good. You, and this is maybe backwards than what we often think or what is common wisdom. But Paul frames evil and good in a different way. The fruit of the spirit is what comes out of you when you're following Jesus, right? Galatians chapter five twenty two. Keeping in step with the Spirit is a good thing, right? Church, everybody nod your head, right? We are supposed to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. That's where the goodness. Even one of the fruits fruit, singular, part of the fruit of the spirit, I need to say that correctly, is goodness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, right? But look at what he does. Before he even talks about, in Galatians 5, the fruit of the spirit, he talks about the opposite. And he calls it the acts of the flesh, and he's going to do something here that shows you what it looks like to resist evil. Galatians 5, 19 through 25, he says this, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, or debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like as I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is Love. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And what he just said there is, is so key is that the good church, a good follower of Jesus, resists evil. The fruit of the Spirit, every one of those is a resistance to evil. To be patient is not to be hurried, right? To be kind is not to be hateful. Over and over, the Bible teaches us to pursue good and turn from evil. But have you ever noticed that me turning from evil isn't to focus on evil? It's to actually focus on being good. You with me? What we often do, this is where our our thinking is often backwards, is I often want to not sin, so I focus on not sinning. Anybody with me? Don't do that. Grit your teeth. Do better. You lousy person, right? You tell yourself that. You pray over and over. God, this is the last time I'll ever do that. And then you go through life and 30 minutes later, that is the last time I'll ever do that. You know why we never turn from it? Because we're focusing on the evil. What actually resists evil is keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. That's the key, is that good resists evil. It's an incredible truth. In other words, I would say it this way, what we pursue, instead of pursuing, I just don't wanna sin, I start to pursue goodness And the fruit of the Spirit in my life, what we pursue becomes what we do, and what we do becomes who we are. A 14 year old in Canada a couple weeks ago. His name's Anthony. He's this kid, he's 14. Similar to me, I think. When I was 14, I loved basketball. This kid loves basketball. All my friends when I was 14 were starting to like girls and they'd be like, Jake, you don't have a girlfriend. They'd make fun of me and I'd be like, this basketball's my girlfriend. That's how much I loved basketball. Well, this kid Anthony in Canada loves basketball. He's seen most days and even into the night on his driveway, in his neighborhood, constantly dribbling. It doesn't matter if it's snowing in Canada, raining, cold, dark, it doesn't matter. He just dribbles all the time. But what's interesting is up until a few weeks ago, Anthony had never outside his house taken a single shot. He just dribbles. That's because there isn't a goal in his yard and there isn't a goal in his driveway and there isn't a basketball goal anywhere near his house. No park, nothing. Some neighbors have complained about him because all he does is dribble and it keeps them up at night and they're trying to lay down and they just hear the whoop, 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 whoop of a basketball. Parents, you know what we're talking about, right? But it never has stopped his dribbling. So a few weeks ago, Anthony was in the house. He had just come inside from dribbling. And all of a sudden, his doorbell rang. He was in the house with his mom and sister. It was a knocker. His doorbell rang. And it was a neighbor. It was a guy he had seen pass by maybe in the car once or twice. But he had no idea who this neighbor was. He's this big guy. This guy named Ian Ray was standing at the door. And Anthony had had neighbors come by before. And so when the door knocked and he looked outside and there was a stranger there and it wasn't a UPS guy or a FedEx guy, he started to sweat. Cause he started thinking, oh, there's another neighbor gonna complain about my dribbling. So he walked up to the door and the guy said, are you Anthony? And Anthony said, yes. And Ian's kind of this big guy, he goes, come outside. <laughs> it was kind of intimidating. He really didn't want to go outside, so he kind of peeked his head out and he goes, no, come outside, come outside, come out here with me. And Anthony slowly started coming to the door. His mom started coming to the door, started asking questions too, like, what's going on? What's up, thinking something was about to happen. Anthony said that he was starting to think that this guy was gonna throw down with him. Like, you better stop bouncing that ball, kid, or I'm gonna put you in a headlock type situation. Well, he just kept walking backwards, Ian did, off the porch and then around the corner, and he just kept saying, come here, come here. Come here. No explanation, kind of gruff, kind of firm. And then finally, Anthony said, Ian pointed at something. And he came around the corner and Ian had bought him a brand new, full set basketball goal. He said, I've seen you dribbling. And so I put it out on a private Facebook message. I see you dribbling and I've never seen you take a shot. It's time to start taking some shots, kid. And they set the goal up together and now the whole neighborhood has a basketball goal. See, that's goodness resisting evil. Goodness resists evil. Every act of kindness resists hate. Every act of patience resists that desire in us to hurry. Every act of joy resists anger. Every act of peace resists revenge. Every act of love resists apathy. Every act of gentleness resists the harshness of this world. Every act of good is a rebellion against evil. So a good church not only draws near to God, but a good church resists evil because it is doing good. It is actively good. See, God's tove, that word tove, goodness, is not static, right? What God created continues to get better, right? We, we've seen that. If you're in agriculture, you know. If you're, you, there's a lot of cattle people in this. You know you can take what God has made and, ma- and continue to make it better. You know why? Because that's God's wisdom in creation. Corn used to be this big, right? Now it's like this big. You know, well, it's not that big, but it's huge, right? We have done that. Tov is active, and God's people, who he makes tov, are not static. They are dynamic in being good. Peter, in Acts chapter 10, summarizing Jesus' ministry to Cornelius, says this. He says, summarizing and telling the story of Jesus, he says, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea. Beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, now how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went about, my emphasis there underlined, doing good. He was active in it, healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. This is Jesus. Jesus didn't show up and just say, I've got a sermon for you. I'm the Messiah. End of story, right? His proclamation was also demonstration. His preaching was also followed by, let me show you what the kingdom of God looks like. It is a place where lives are changed. Jesus reveals his goodness through word and deed, and his people should be as well. That's what the good church lives by, a principle of doing that. And we build a culture, not just by resisting evil, but by actively doing good, by drawing near to God, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit and living out the God-given gifts that are in this church family that are there to bless the world. Y'all wanna be part of that? Of course you do, right? Everyone does, even if you won't amen me, right? I believe that. So I want you to think about this as we wrap up. In Genesis one I'll just, you see, the passage won't be up there on the, on the screen, but God creates vegetables in Genesis 1-11, right? And Colby Leach and Dean Smith booed, right? <laughs> Boo for vegetables, right? He creates vegetables and trees and, and what it calls a seed-bearing plants. It's good stuff. I love it. We've been eating summer tomatoes. Is there anything like a summer tomato, church family? Oh my goodness, Salt and pepper on that. And then you add a little bake. it's turkey bacon at our house, turkey bacon to that, boo. And a little mayonnaise. Oh man, it's so good, right? There's so much tove in that thing. But it's because of the tomatoes and grilled onions. Colby, grilled onions, man. <laughs> He's going, no way. Zucchini, I love asparagus. I don't like when it comes out of my body, but anyway. All right. Anybody had a fresh peach lately? Oh my goodness, right? That's what he's doing here in Genesis one Sorry, everybody's like, let's go to lunch. Shut up, All right? It's so good. But notice what he does in Genesis one In creation, there's a little detail here that happens. The text says this. It says, the earth brought forth trees of every kind with seed in it. It's a great detail. Because what Genesis is telling us is that God in his goodness, in his tove, in his wisdom created a world that it's so good, it replicates itself. Tove is such a deep word that it means that it's, it's so good that it goes beyond even its own death. If something is good, it produces other goodness beyond its own life. Y'all with me? So take for instance, this apple, all right? It's a Honeycrisp, the best kind of apples, right? I started a petition or haven't. I wanna start a petition online to rename red delicious apples into red atrocious apples because they're awful, all right? But man, Honeycrisp, this is where it's at, all right? But take this apple for example. If it's eaten and thrown out and scatters seed, but nothing grows from it, that's not tov. That's not what Genesis one eleven means. There's no goodness in it. If we take some apple seeds, and I plant them and they grow into trees, but they never produce fruit. Are they tov? No, there's no tov in that either. But if I take these apple seeds and I produce, well I don't, if the earth that God has made produces trees that produces apples that produce more seeds that produce more trees, then what do you have? You got tov, you got goodness. You get orchards and you get life and you get nourishment. And that's the same idea of being a good church. God's vision for the church, what he would call good, is anything that produces life that contains the potential for more life within it. You and I. We're to be apples that produce trees, that produce more apples, that produce more trees. That's the beauty of goodness. You think of an orchard, but more practically speaking, think of a conversation about Jesus. Or think about an invitation that says, come to church with me and something is sparked by the Holy Spirit and a life changes. Or think about a story that stirred in you a, a moment where you said, you know what? We talked about generosity and I'm going to produce generosity in my life. I'm going to make a choice. Or something where you, somebody inspired you to say, it's time for me to move beyond this elementary style of Christianity, but I'm going to grow in that. That's what Tove is. A new habit, a new love, a deeper love. A confession, a walking with the Holy Spirit, telling the truth and practicing empathy, or simply just saying, you know what, I'm here to serve. That's what Tove is. Lately that's been no more clear in my life than this. Um, I want to say a couple things about you. Um, oh, Lord. You know. uh, <laughs> I haven't known Jim very long. Many of you have known him longer than I have. But the word that I think of when I think of Jim is honesty. Um, his journey that I've seen him so far in his life is with this, as he started to study his Bible and learn and come to church with us and explore Christ with us, is just he's been honest. And I love that. I love that spirit about you. So I want to ask you a question. This question's been asked, oh, millions of times by people who are in the place you're in right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He can take away your sins and change your life? Yes, I do. Amen. Amen. Well, because of that confession, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins. Okay. I have cover now? <laughs> How about that? Oh. Marianne, I apologize if I'm, I'm springing that on you this morning, but I didn't have that in there till this morning a bit it. because I was praying this morning and I thought, where have we seen Tove? And I thought about 78-year-old guy saying, I want Jesus Amen. and getting to live three years of his life before he passed away a few weeks ago, following Jesus. And that happened because sweet neighbors, Larry and Kay said, let's invite. Let's share what we have. Let's be seeds that produce trees that produce more seeds. And guys, that's what it's like. I can't add words to that. I can't make that more beautiful than it is. God is good, amen? If we're going to be a good church, let's actively share that goodness. If you need anything today, we don't share judgment here. People don't come forward and we don't go, well, shame on you. (laughs) People come forward here and we embrace and surround them and we love them. Our elders will be in the back if you need to speak with them, if you need to share anything with them. But we are here for you to be good. And may we just continue to surround ourselves with the goodness of God. Let's stand together and sing.